welcome to Inspired Island, where every episode we sit down with someone living an inspired life here on Vashon Island in Puget Sound. From world-class artists and musicians to chefs and business owners, our little rural island has it all. I'm your host, Grace McRae, a new full-time Vashon Island resident, and thank you for joining me on this journey to discover why Vashon is such an inspired island. Hello, friends. As you may have noticed, Inspired Island took a little, okay, a long hiatus due to a number of factors, the COVID pandemic being number one. But we are finally back at it, and I'm looking forward to introducing you to even more of the brilliant and talented people living here on Vashon Island. And today I couldn't have thought of anyone better to sit down with than Voice of Vashon's own Kate Dowling. Welcome to Inspired Island, Kate. Thank you so much for having me, Grace. For anyone who's not familiar with Kate, she is now the executive director of Voice of Vashon, and she can be heard on KVSH 101.9 FM's Kate and Doug in the Morning and on Chris Austin's Mostly True Radio show. And I sometimes join Kate and Chris on the Mostly True Radio show, so I do know Kate pretty well. But while I know snippets and fun stories of her personal history, I actually don't know a lot about how Kate became the person she is today. And she's a pretty cool person. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So, Kate, I'd love to start us back in the beginning and hear a little bit about Kate as a little girl. I know you grew up in Canada, <laughs> yeah. but I don't I don't know much about about what you were like as a kid. Oh yeah. Uh well, I I did grow up in Canada, born and raised in just outside of Toronto actually. And I was a little ham back then, just like I am a little ham today. <laughs> I actually um I went to school for theater arts at the University of Guelph, uh, again just outside of Toronto. And, um, you know, I always thought that I would be a teacher, a drama teacher. And, you know, that didn't, uh, that didn't work out. But I started at Starbucks and I was facilitating classes for baristas. So I was actually a teacher, but just in a very, very different environment. Um, yeah, but I've always had that passion for uh, the theater and for acting, design, directing, costuming, all that fun stuff. So, yeah. Was any of that inspired by your parents? Were either of them creative? No, (laughs) not. So it's funny. My dad, my, I shouldn't say that. My dad is actually a singer, um, not a professional singer, but he's always been a part of um, choirs and things like that. And he, he's really great. He actually sang at my husband and I's wedding uh, back in 1993, the first wedding. (laughs) And um, so he loves that. My mother, however, exact polar opposite of me. Okay. Yeah. She's always, you know, oh, Kathleen. So yeah, I'm, I'm a, and I'm an interesting combination from uh, my mom and dad for sure. Okay. And any siblings? My brother is 18 months younger than I am. Okay. And he is pretty much an exact version of me. I mean, we look similar. We talk similarly. We have similar interests. Um, We could have been twins. Irish twins, I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) That's excellent. Well, because I've heard that age gap can go either way, either being best friends or, yep. you know, too close. He yeah. is he is my best friend. Oh, mm-hmm. and is he still in Canada? He's in Whistler. Yep. Okay. So he's been in Whistler for about 28 years now. Yeah. So he went out for a, um, a ski holiday after university and never came back. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, it's a beautiful place. I can understand how yeah. that happened. Yeah. 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 And what about you? So how, what's the story of how you got to the U.S., moved from Canada, which you loved? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I didn't see this coming. I really didn't. Uh, I was finishing up my last semester of university and I, I had an opportunity to go to London and do an exchange uh, program there with the university. So I did that and it was an, um, an, just an incredible experience and I wasn't ready to go back home. Mm. So I said to my mom and dad, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go look for a job. I'm going to, you know, couch surf. Uh, and that's exactly what I did. I got a job underneath the table at a pub called The World's End, which is still there to this day. And back in the day when I worked there, it was all people from all over the world working under the table. Uh, so when you work under the table, it's A, illegal, and B, you make no money at all. <laughs> so And no health care or any of that. No health care, nothing like that yet. And I remember um, my room, I had a room in a huge house with a bunch of people from all over the world. I happened to be in a room with an American guy and his French girlfriend. <laughs> and me. So my bed was on that side. Oh, Their no. bed was on oh, that side. No. And I'd get home from working at the pub, just dog dead tired. And, you know, they'd be having some fun. And <laughs> I thought, what am I doing? So after that, um, I was thinking, all right, I can't actually sustain this for very much longer. And I looked in the paper. That's when we had actual newspapers. And I found a job as an au pair in Germany. Oh, so I wow. went to Germany on a contract and um, I was a nanny for a little girl and a wonderful family that I'm still friends with today. And that's when I met Doug. Yeah. Wow. So Doug was in the military story. and we had known each other for six months, at which time he said, your contract's ending. I can't move off base unless we're married. So why don't you, why don't we get married? You can stay here and we'll see if this is going to work. So that's what we did. <laughs> And where exactly, how did you meet him? Like at a bar? Or? I was with a French au pair and we were walking around trying to find another couple of guys that we had met at some festival and we couldn't find the location. So we're walking around. We saw Doug and his buddy. I went up to him and I said, excuse me, do you speak English? And he said, yeah, a little. And, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, we just, we ended up not hooking up with these other two guys in this place that we were supposed to go. And we went and had ginger ale and talked to um, these other two guys. And then, yeah, he, he called me, you know, the next week and we went out for ice cream. And <laughs> the, I mean, it's a, it's a facilious little story, but it's, uh, yeah, right outside of a, a Donair kebab shop. That's incredible. Curb. What are the odds? Yeah. yeah would you have ever passed him again. Yeah. Where, where did he grow up? Blaine, Washington. Oh, okay. So he's nearly Canadian. There we go. Yes. Yeah. He grew up he's with Northern. Vancouver. Yeah. With Vancouver stations and he, he knew Canadian, he knew Brian Mulrooney and, you know, all these things. And I thought, oh, this is really kind of interesting. Like he knows who I am. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I always wondered, it seems like you and Doug and your family are big travelers. Mm -hmm. And so but it sounds like your relationship started kind of traveling. Yeah. So yeah. it's in both of your blood, I suppose. Yep. Always will be for sure. So this, this last 16 months was hard, really hard. And so how long were you in Germany for? About four years total. Okay. Yeah. And again, like what a wonderful opportunity for two really young people 
to travel and see Europe on a shoestring. Mm. And, um, and that's what we did every single weekend or anytime he would have a little bit of leave, we would take off and go somewhere. And did you start a family when you were in Germany or was that later oh, on? Oh no, we were having way too much fun. Okay. And we were, <laughs> honestly, we were still getting to know each other. Okay. Um, my mother insisted that we come home to Toronto to get married. Mm. So at the nine month mark, we went home, got married in Toronto. And Your dad sang. My dad sang. And I had to wait for my paperwork and green card and all that stuff. And then I went back to um, Germany and then we stayed there for about four years. Um, yeah, but that was, we were, the kids were so far from our mind at that point. So, you know, fast forward, I think it was about seven and a half years and we looked at each other and we were like, uh, so if we're going to have kids, we should maybe start talking about that. And then we were like, okay, let's have a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so when you moved from Germany, was it back to the U.S.? Yes. So he had two more years to do, and that was at Kelly Air Force Base in Texas. Okay. So we lived in San Antonio, Texas. Oh. That was my first American oh. city that I lived in. And I'm telling you, that was a trip. Like, people would literally come up to me. when They'd find out I was Canadian. Hey, you're Canadian? You speak pretty good English for a Canadian. <laughs> like, um, th th thank you very much. Hey, you get a lot of snow up there. Uh, do you have indoor plumbing? Or do you got to, I'm like, what kind of question is that? Like, people really genuinely didn't know. Really didn't have any concept except for igloos and polar bears in Canada down in that area. Mm. So it was a huge culture shock for me. We loved it. I mean, we loved San Antonio. What a fun city, small little city, um, way too hot. <laughs> I <laughs> so, bet. Yeah. So we, we were happy to move back up to Bellingham. Okay. Second American city and close to the border, close mm -hmm. to my brother. Great. You know, and that's when we started working for Starbucks. Oh, okay. So, well, actually I started working in um, Texas and then Bellingham. Um, I just kept on keeping on with Starbucks and uh, worked there for nearly 25 years. <laughs> and did you start working there or did Doug start working there? I first? started working there okay. first. Yep. And then when he was out of the military, he started to go to school. And then um, that's when he started as a part-time barista as well. So we were both baristas. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that must have really uh, given you an opportunity to, I guess, maybe use your acting skills and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Performance skills. <laughs> yes. And so when did Vashon come onto the scene? Oh, my golly. So we traveled more with Starbucks than we did with the military. So okay, we wow. were, we crisscrossed. So it was, let's see here. So, so we went up to Bellingham and then we were in Seattle. Now we moved to um, York, Pennsylvania. And then we moved to Carson City, Nevada. And then we moved back to Seattle. So mm. when we moved back to Seattle, that was 2009, the recession. Yep. And so we lived back in Seattle for um, a period of time and then moved out to Vashon in 2015. Okay. Yep. Okay. So pretty, pretty recently yeah, in the yeah. grand scheme of things. Well, okay. apparently I won't be an Islander for another, what, 15, 20 years, yeah, I, know. I think. Well, yeah. You've got a head you start on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, it, I mean, you and Doug really worked your way up. 
at Starbucks? Was mm-hmm. it kind of like a slow and steady or were there big leaps within well, the organization? I, think, um, I was a barista and then store manager uh, for, uh, I don't know, five years or so. And then I stepped into a district manager role. So I was a district manager for, what, 11 years, I believe. Mm. Um, and again, in different geographies, which was really fun because Starbucks, Starbucks are different in, you know, Nevada versus Seattle, where the birthplace of Starbucks is. So that was kind of fun. Um, and then I moved into the marketing group, Asia Pacific Marketing. So um, I would say the leap to district manager was a big one. Mm. Yeah. And then, yeah, you know, slow and steady. So you were able to travel a lot for Starbucks as well. Like, yeah. And did you tag on like family trips yep. when you were able to? <laughs> always, always. So um, one of my last trips with the Asia Pacific group was to Hong Kong. So the kids came with me. Mm. Uh, Doug came with me. So we went to China and then we spent some time in Hong Kong. Um, got to see Macau, you know. So anytime we're able to bring the kids with us, um, we would do that. So Doug was actually, he's in the coffee department, coffee tea department. So he would go to Switzerland where the buying offices are. And so we would go to Switzerland with him Mm. or um, the one trip I'm really sad that we didn't get to go on was his Kenya trip. I know. I'm like, darn it. That's the one I really wanted to go on. Um, But very fortunate to be able to kind of do the tag along. So when you moved to Vashon, you were both still working at Starbucks. Yep. So we're doing like the commute, I'm assuming. Yep. But you had school-aged kids, right? You yes. You had two, two kids. And what what was it like, the transition to like an island like Vashon, Ugh. which is, seems a lot even smaller than some of the communities you were living in previously? Yeah, absolutely. Well, both, both Doug and I come from a, a very rural background. So again, outside of Toronto, not Toronto proper, um, is where I'm from. And then he's from Blaine, very, very mm-hmm. teensy. And um, one of the reasons we moved out here is because we we wanted to reconnect with that rural life. And West Seattle's great. And it's kind of that, that small village feel as well. But the, our primary reason for moving out here, and I've heard this over and over again from, from other parents, the school system. You know, uh, West Seattle, I think, has 1,500 kids or something crazy like that. Yeah. And here there were 600 kids, Mm. you know, so um, moving out here was really important to get my kids into a a good learning environment. Um, So that's what we did. We were going to commute them over, you know, like a lot of kids do. And then we thought, no, we could just move here too. So we found a house that we love. And uh, it's actually Bill Wood and Jeannie Doherty's old house. And I I (laughs) so many people are like, oh, you're Bill and Jeannie's house. I'm like, actually, no, it's Kate and Doug's house now. <laughs> Just FYI, has been for the last six years. It's been rebranded, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so fun to, to talk about, um, you know, to talk to about uh, the formation of Voice of Ashan and, oh, I've sat around your kitchen table talking, you know, in the olden days of Voice of Ashan and talking with Jeannie and Bill who are founding, you know, also, you know, that integral part of how this station was formed and, you know, I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of really fun. That's so Bill and Jeannie being who they are and their show on the radio. And then, you know, fast forward a number of years and here, you know, Doug and I have our own little radio show too. Like that's full full circle. circle. Yes, definitely. That is something kind of unique that I found about Fashion so far is, yeah, we live in a house that's pretty old, but it's only changed hands a small number of times. Yeah. So 
neighbors and you know when we, ha- when we have contractors come over they're like oh yeah we know the greens who used to live here <laughs> yeah. and um i mean every home that's been around for a while anywhere would have a lot of history but i feel like some of that history gets lost whereas here people remember yeah they sure <laughs> do yeah yeah very cool <laughs> So you've mentioned that you got married to Doug one time. Would you mind telling us the story about oh. how you got married a second time? <laughs> yeah, because we're crazy people. Yeah. Well, you know, when you get married, we were uh, 19 and 23. I just wow. turned 23. And again, we we always had this philosophy of, well, if it's if it doesn't work out, we can always get divorced. Yeah. You know, as long as there's no kids, whatever. So I think when you are married that young, you grow up together. Or you don't. Mm. You can grow apart. In our case, we grew up together because we were tr- we we moved so frequently that we were kind of each other's person yeah. always. Um, and then you know, like we hit a mid- midlife crisis or whatever. We didn't buy a Corvette, but we we decided that no, this isn't like let's get out and see see what else is out there essentially. And um, so we were divorced, like legally divorced for three and a half years. And then, um, you know, recognizing, well, that's not really what we wanted to do either. Mm. (laughs) So so, uh, I was married to Doug because I couldn't extend my contract and I would have to go back to Canada. And we were both and he couldn't move off base. So it was a a marriage of convenience the first time around. And then when we tried to buy the house here, it was a with a VA home loan and we had to be a married couple because ah, we weren't actually going to go through with that yeah. again. You know, we were like, okay, that's fine. We we'll did it be once. together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it was another marriage of convenience. <laughs> like, oh, well, there you go. Well, well, I ask because you, you two are kind of like hashtag couple goals on, on the island and do so many things together and really seem to enjoy each other's time. So uh, he's yeah, all right. Yeah. He's. He's pretty fun. <laughs> so thinking about Voice of Vashon, which now I think is is taking up a lot of your time, um, how long did it take once you came on to Vashon for you to get involved with Voice of Vashon? Yeah, well, that's that's a funny story, too. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, right. So I met Chris Austin when we were board members at the Dove Project. Okay. And that's when you came on, too. I think we were mm. all kind of newish together. Yes. Or you came just after us. Something like that. After. After. Yeah. Oh, could you explain what the Dove Project is? Oh, sorry. Is? Yeah. The Dove Project is um, a an amazing organization on the island um, that supports and advocates and um, provides education um, for domestic abuse and sexual assault. So mm-hmm. um, they have programs like the Lunchboxes that go, go into the middle school and um, educate students on, you know, what's, what's a healthy relationship look like? Yeah. Um, like that's the part that makes me just, it gives me goosebumps, you know, breaking that, that cycle. If that child has seen, um, you know, their, their parents in a relationship that's really unhealthy, you know? Yeah. Um, and then advocates for victims of, of, um, domestic violence. That I agree. I think, yeah, the prevention thing, I wish I had had that in school. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing. So I met Chris Austin back then and that's when I was still um, commuting off island for Starbucks. And Chris said, hey, you should come on this, come co-host some of my shows. And, and I said, okay, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> and, um, and I remember being super nervous. And, and then it's just a conversation, you know. He's just so easy to be with and he's a funny, funny guy. And um, so that's how I started with Voice of Ashon. Cool. Just kind of hanging out, you know, um, 
volunteering because we're all of us are volunteers pretty much except for a small, small handful of people. Um, and then I, so I guess this was back in 2018, um, Asia, the Asia Pacific marketing team, um, pretty much all of us were laid off. So mm. that was, that was a hard day. There were about 300 partners. We call each other partners at Starbucks were let go. And, um, and I thought, okay, well, what do I want to do with my life now? So I traveled for a year and this was the year before COVID. And I think to myself, whoo, thank my lucky stars that it wasn't COVID year that I was laid off like so many people were. Um, So I I had the opportunity to just travel to Italy to go visit my daughter who was an au pair over there, Um, take my son on backpacking trips. And um, we we just, we got away every chance that we were able to get and and, uh, went to Morocco for my 50th birthday with my girlfriend from Toronto. Just, really had fun and uh, recognized that one of my most favorite times at Starbucks was volunteering in the community. And here's what I'll say about Starbucks. They are, they really walk the talk. They encourage people to get out and volunteer. And we did, you know, we would go as a work group or, you know, different work groups would get together and they'd go to Northwest Harvest and, and, you know, pick apples, pick through apples and put them in five pound bags and things like that, or go paint fences or go for a, a walk for an AIDS benefit. You know, so whatever that was, we were always given the opportunity to volunteer. So when I got to Vashon, I was like, okay, so there are 1.3 gajillion nonprofits here and I'd like to get involved. So my first gig was the Dove Project. Mm-hmm. Um, I volunteered bartend at VCA and did some volunteer house management stuff there. I did makeup for the opera. I, you know, fun things like that. Um, and then I worked for the beachcomber for six months Mm. and that was one of the most challenging roles I've ever had in my entire lifetime. That's, and it's a small community newspaper. Wow. It is a small community, but the, the style of writing and, um, you know, I didn't want to ever hurt anybody's feelings. And mm. you, you can't worry about that as a reporter. You report the news and the facts, and, and then you allow that consumer of that news to, you know, make their own decision. And so learned so much from the the team that was working there, Paul Rowley at the time, um, Liz Shepard, who's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the editor at the time, his name was Kevin. So we were furloughed during the beginning of COVID. Mm. And then Paul and Liz went back to the office and then Kevin and I were, yeah, so we were let go. And while I was still at the Beachcomber before I was furloughed, Lisa Breen, who is the current executive director at the time, um, reached out to me. I had worked with her at VCA and she said, hey, I think there's something that you should consider. (laughs) And when she told me about it, I was like, oh, no, no, I don't want to fundraise. I don't want to ask people. I don't want to do that. No, no. And then the more I thought about it, talking to my husband, basically this role as executive director is a district manager role. You have a team of people. Mm. Part of your job is to inspire and um, t- to be that cheerleader and, you know, to, to make sure all work paths are, you know, people are happily going along their work stream and, um, you know, just operationalizing and, so I thought, oh, actually, yeah, I was kind of good at that. And I kind of really liked it. So then I applied and, and I, was, um, I was offered the role. 
what have been some of the highlights so far? Oh, the highlights. I So I started during COVID, so I hadn't met any of these people in real life. Mm. And I'm still meeting people in real life, you know, even today, yeah. um, 16 months later. I can't believe. I've Yeah, I started beginning in April in 2020. Yeah, crazy. Um, I'd say some of the highlights, the Give Big Days that Voice of Vashon does. And of course, we had to do it over Zoom this year and over Zoom last year. But getting to know other nonprofits on the island and all of the services and, and um, the things that these nonprofits do for our community, I mean, it boggles my mind. And for Voice of Ashon to be a part of that and to help them, um, like provide a platform for them to kind of share their story and their message, that is absolutely 100% one of my highlights so far with this job in this organization. Very cool. And on the flip side, I'm guessing there's some challenges in running a mostly volunteer-driven <laughs> radio station. Yeah. Like what these days? What's what are the parts of the job that are really challenging to you, or you're like pulling your hair out over? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you know, there's there's not a lot that I pull my hair out about. Um, but I will say, you know, this organization has huge operating costs, mm. um, licensing fees, and the software and the you know, all of these bits and pieces that are all behind the scenes, people don't see that. Mm. They see what we produce. Yep. So I think that's the hardest, um, that's the most, the biggest challenge that we have is telling the story of, of what we provide and how we are able to do that. And that's what these dollars that are coming into the station do. They keep us on air. They keep the emergency alerts happening. Um, the, you know, the situation reports that come through Vashon Be Prepared and the Emergency Operations Center, we were able to be that um, that forward-facing communication vehicle during that time. And um, and the islanders rely on that. But it is, it's a hard thing to say, well, we need money because we have to pay a licensing fee or <laughs> we have to provide a new piece of software or a new microphone. Pay our utility bill. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. not, that's not sexy. <laughs> So just being able to to sell that in a way that um, that people can understand that doesn't make them go big yawn, Ooh. you know. Yes, I can imagine that's challenging because yep. you just see the storefront studio downtown or just turn on your radio. It just seems almost like a, you know, a free service that <laughs> magically happens. Yes. And um, there's a lot of operating daily daily costs. Yeah. So makes, yeah. yeah, fundraising, going back to fundraising, yep. I guess, very important. Mm -hmm. And what is your kind of like personal vision for Voice of Ashland? What's your hope in your tenure as executive director? Oh, that's a great question. I would like to see us continue what we're doing in elevating other nonprofits mm. and helping them share their message. So whether that's through a PSA that we do on air or on our website, um, or partnering with them, like we did with the Heritage Museum during the COVID stories. I, I think that um, because what we have to offer is such a great communication tool mm -hmm. that I'd really like to share that across the island with our nonprofits. And certainly for our businesses as well. And, you know, we have many, many underwriters here on the island, and th that is the reason why we're still able to do what we do. And um, 
the biggest thing that I hear when I thank people for money or for, for donating time or anything like that is, you know, thank you for what you do for the community. We say that Voice of Vashon is your island connection, and mm-hmm. we really are. We, we, that's what we are about is connecting, whether it's a nonprofit or a business or a community member. Um, that's really kind of cool stuff. A nice hub yeah. of activity on the island. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to end um, with a question just because I look up to you in terms of your energy and anybody who's <laughs> listening to you, listen to you on the, your other two radio shows knows you're very funny <laughs> and always have bring a good attitude. And I think those of us volunteers at Voice of Vashon um, really have sensed that in your role. But I'd love to know, we're coming out of a really tough time and, you know, you went through those layoffs and where do you draw inspiration and on a day that you're just feeling a little bit down, how do you bring your energy back up? Ooh, well, I would say, you know, looking across the team at VOV and some of the people that have been with this organization have been with this organization since day one. Mm. Um, Steve Allen, who's an integral uh, tech team member who, you know, on a dime is here in the station. If there's a technical issue, um, solving that. Uh, Dan Schuler, same thing. Like it, we can call these guys and they're here fixing that for you. Um, all our board members, our content producers, like they pour themselves into their work. Like you, Inspired Island. Like what an, a magical show this is. And so if, if I'm feeling down even for a second, like, oh, I think, oh my gosh, but look what Grace is doing. And oh my gosh, thank you, Steve, for being in the studio. Thank you, Dan, for being in the... You know, thanks Truman for holding it all together. <laughs> I I really get inspired by um, what our volunteers do, and then more broadly, again, all of the nonprofits on this island that are sharing volunteers and their time and their passion and their energy. I can't have a down day when I think about that. Mm. It's it's really a magical place that we live on, and I just use magical twice, but <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I use I use that word a fair bit too. Adjective to describe to describe it. Yeah, we're lucky to be surrounded by so many like community minded people and organizations, yeah. and yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah. Well, Kate, we like to end every Inspired Island show with a fun little lightning round of questions, all specific to your life on Vashon. Are you game? I'm up for it. Cool. So I may know the answer to this, but <laughs> you probably so do. The Seattle area is known for our amazing beverages, whether it's coffee, tea, beer, wine. Do you have a favorite beverage on Vashon? Well, yes, yes, I do. I, you might have seen me once or twice over across the road at Camp Colvos. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Um, I love Matt. I love Jeff and and Shay and and Cricket and the team over there. Um, so I would say Hellas. One of those, that beer in particular is, is um, one of my favorites. Or sometimes I'll have a, a glass of wine over mm-hmm. there as well. And if you're not at home or work, a.k.a. the studio, uh, where can people most often find you on the island? I guess besides Camp Colvos. Yeah, you can't Camp, Camp Colvos. Okay, <laughs> I can't use that. Burton Coffee Stand. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm there with my dog Reno, and we've seen you with your dog Rio. Um, yeah, that place, that was one of the first places I went to. Um, and when I, again, when I was still commuting off island, I would go there in the morning, have a cup of coffee, and I met, I have met, and I'm still meeting such wonderful people there. It's, it's incredible. It's like a little community inside this beautiful community. 
Yes. And it's like a coffee stand where that's outside. So I feel like yeah. it was my one kind of <laughs> social area during the the extreme lockdown. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And do you have any pet peeves about island living? Uh, I would say it's probably the ferries. You know, when I, when I, I don't have to commute, uh, but when I have to go off island, you know, every once in a while, oh, well, okay, take this Sunday, for example. We had to go off island on a Sunday mm. afternoon. And now the ferry system has a two-boat schedule on yeah. a Sunday in the summer when every other tourist is trying to get off the island. So I was in that lineup. So that makes me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my uh, threshold or my tolerance yep. for the ferry has gone down during COVID. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite Vashon Island tradition? Oh, I love walking with my son through Frog Holler or um, uh, Island Center um, or just our loop. You know, we, we take the dog out. Usually it's after school, but school's out now. So, but that's one of my, my favorite things to do. And lastly, where can people find you to learn more about you and your work? Oh, well, uh, info at voiceofvashon.org is always a good one, or kate.dowling at voiceofvashon.org. Um, yeah, and voiceofvashon.org itself is a, it's a, a robust website filled with all kinds of little, um, interesting bits about about our community. Excellent. Cool. And like we said, you could listen to um, the Mostly True Radio show, I guess, on Fridays. Fridays, four to six. Kate and Doug in the morning. What's the schedule for Kate and Doug? So that's the second and fourth Mondays of the month. Okay. That's what I couldn't figure out. Okay. Yeah. Second and fourth. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Kate. This is awesome. Thanks so much for having me. That was fun. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Again, this is Inspired Island on Voice of Vashon, KVSH 101.9 FMLP. Until next time, stay inspired.